All right, we all ready to get started in this? Praise God, I am pumped. Jesus, King. What a concept. This concept we started last week. Literally. And I'm praying that I may... You're, you're getting the product of four months of research or study. And this research and study is transforming my life to a point I'm like, man, am I saved all over again? It's because the newness of what God's doing in my life and in my family and everywhere I turn around now, the newness is like, man, why did why not living in this the whole time? Well, the truth of the matter is because I didn't understand what I was supposed to be living in. Man, ain't that a shame? 27 years in ministry and spent most of it with the wrong concept of what God has for me. And I'm understanding this, that as we get closer to the return of the Lord, the more important this message is. Can I read you a scripture real quick? I don't think you guys have it back there, but it's Matthew twenty four fourteen. I'll let you guys pull it up if you don't mind. It, um, this scripture is shocking. Okay? It says, And this gospel... Now, how many of you guys have ever heard this message, this scripture read before? It says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Amen. How many of you guys have heard that before? That before the Lord can come back, the gospel has to be preached all around the world. Yeah. I, I've heard that my whole life. understood it my whole life. And then all of a sudden, here I am, 27 years into ministry, I find out I've been hearing wrong my whole life. Be like this, I was telling the first service that if I taught my children concepts that were opposite of daily living concepts, it would affect their whole life. For example, if I taught my kids, um, kick me, the phrase kick me, meant please, it would affect their whole life. Every time they walked in somewhere and kicked me, can I have that? They'd find themselves getting kicked all the time. Not because they were meaning to, because they had a wrong concept of what a couple words meant. Amen? Like if my child, if I taught my children that an orange is actually an apple and an apple is actually an orange... And they go up and they ask for an apple and somebody gives them an apple. They'll think there's something wrong with that. Man, don't that person know I asked for an apple? Well, you did. Well, to them, the apple is an orange. Does this make sense? Concepts and understandings matter greatly. That being said, we're on a concept and an understanding of what Jesus said we're supposed to give our life to. This scripture doesn't say that the Lord will return back, will return, I mean, can't return until the whole gospel has been preached all over the world. It's not what it says. It says this. It says the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is a different concept than Christianity and Christian living. The gospel of the kingdom is, as a matter of fact, is the only gospel that is mentioned in the Bible by Jesus. We, as a, as a nation that's never had a king, have a hard time understanding king concepts 
because we didn't grow up under king rule. We've grown up as our opinion matters. And if you don't share our opinion, we'll just vote you out and put someone else in. And they will follow out our opinions. And if they don't, we'll just pick somebody new. We, we have a democracy to where we put leaders up that represent our wants and our desires. If we don't like it, we put someone else up. And that is the mindset and the concept of, honestly, America and American church. You know how I know? How many pastors have you met that got voted out? In all honesty. Now, I know a lot of pastors got fired for sin. And that's, you know, that's okay with the Scripture. But to vote a pastor out because you don't like him? That's American church concept. It's not kingdom concept. As a matter of fact, there were a lot of people that didn't like Elijah. Didn't change that God was empowering him to change the world. Does this make sense? And so, concepts. America concept. And I didn't even realize I was this Americanized. I'd like to think I'm pretty well-rounded. You know what I'm saying? We live in a day and an age where the world's a lot smaller than it used to be. So concepts that you didn't grow up in and cultures you didn't grow up in can be studied and seen. And you can get... But the truth is most believers or Christians don't even understand that they're not living a Christian life. That's religious. Nowhere in the Bible did Jesus call the church Christians. As a matter of fact, the only place we find that in, well, in Acts chapter 16, it says this, and this was, and they were in Antioch, and this was the first place they were called Christians, is what it says. Thing about that is this, the Christians didn't call each other Christians. Do you know who called the Christians Christians? The world. Those that weren't believers. Up to that point, they were called believers, followers, disciples, but all of a sudden, the non-believers saw how these guys were living, walking, talking, and carrying on life, and they started calling them Christians. And then, bam, it stuck. And pretty much everybody in here, if I asked you if you were a Christian, you would say yes. Problem is, you don't get to determine whether or not you're a Christian or not, because they, the church didn't call themselves Christians. It was the world. The word Christian means Christ-like. So, you don't get to choose whether... You're Christ-like. Let me ask you this. What does your husband call you? Or what does your wife call you? Or what does your co-workers call you? Do they call you Christ-like? Or do they call you hot-tempered, a hot mess? Do they call you messed up, damaged goods? What are they calling you? Because what we present to the world matters in kingdom living. And if we're not living Christ-like, Christianity only is a religion. Problem with religions are this. Let me give you the definition for a religion. Is that all right? It, it sure sounds good. Okay? This is the definition. i got to get to it. Did I tear it out? I bet I tore it out. The definition of a Christian is the worship of a deity through the practicing... Acts, I'm quoting off memory now, the practicing acts of rituals, rites, another word, R, that's not R-I-G-H-T, not like rites, as in we have a right to do something, rites as in rites of passages. In other words, you do certain things at certain points, like we baptize, we do communion sacrament, those are rites, all right, and customs that makes us different 
and sets us apart from different people. Now, doesn't that sound like Christianity to you? Doesn't sound bad. The problem is this. Jesus never said, that's what we're to do. And so what happens is it's very deceptive. Jesus' entire ministry was fought, tried to stop, and he was eventually even killed, not by sin, but by religion. It was the religious leaders of that day that caused him the most... There was, you know, sinners didn't bother Jesus. He would even eat with them. But he couldn't get close to Pharisees, Sadducees. He wrote it very long because they were in such error that they were leading thousands and thousands of people the wrong way. So Jesus came to confront that. Problem is, here we are thousands of years later, and the religious spirit trying to oppose God's will for your life is at work. If the enemy can convince you to boil your experience down to your church attendance, your Bible reading, the time you spend pursuing or doing things with God and you having a list of rules and behavior modification, then what happens is the enemy has convinced you to bring your life that God has for you and the plan for God's life for you down to religious works and religious acts. The problem with religious works and religious acts are they don't get anybody nowhere except in bondage. Jesus came up and taught this something totally different that a lot of us as believers, because we've been conditioned in church, we just blow right past. Just like that scripture there says, Jesus in the last days says that the gospel of the kingdom has to be preached all around the world. The Bible talks about there being multiple gospels. All right. There's Jesus said, remember, they were uh they came to Paul and said, he's preaching Paul. He, and he said, These are there, in the last days, there going to be many other Gospels preached. Meaning that there are things that you can adhere to, live by, and try to put your life under that will not get you what God destined your life to be. In other words, you can be the best church attender ever and be the most bound person in the room. Because religion, things that you do to get closer to God, doesn't do you any good. Honestly, they will just tie up your time and put you in bondage. And it's a different concept for us. Like I said, I've been studying this four months and I still have a hard time putting it into words, this concept, because it is life-changing. So what happens is most believers live this way. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Now what you've got to understand is, church attendance can be a pattern of the world. Especially in America. How many of you guys grew up in church? Right? Look around. Church attendance is a pattern of the world. Is church attendance important? Absolutely. But I'm about to show you why other than just going to church. All right. Reading your Bible. I grew up in a day where you needed to pray an hour every day. So they would train us. You would go to prayer schools to learn to pray for an hour a day. Anybody remember them days? All right. And the thing about it is praying an hour a day. If, if I set my agenda as a relationship for me and Jen that I'm going to talk to her one hour a day. 
And that would be the barometer or thermostat for how good me and Jennifer's relationship would be. Me and Jennifer's relationship would be in trouble because me and her have some heated arguments someday that last longer than an hour. <laughs> Does that make sense? And so if I just let that be the barometer an hour a day, that's just going through the motions. There was a day where I had to personally, as a Christian, read ten chapters a day or I didn't feel like I read my Bible. Truth of the matter is, I could read those ten chapters and not remember a part of it. Because I'm religiously trying to be a Christian. I've never failed at anything worse in my life than being a Christian. There's nothing harder you will ever do in your life than try to be a Christian. That's why you were never called to be a Christian. Now, you were called to be something. And what you are called to do, the world should look at and say, wow, look how Christ-like they're being. That's supposed to happen. That's the response of living what I'm supposed to live is to be. But we've put Christianity into this box that we think that makes us what it is. And that's why not Jesus did. So let me try to lay out this concept again with you real quick. And over the next several weeks, we're going to make it simpler for you to understand. But you've got to understand that God is a king. And king mentality is different than most Americans understand mentality be. God is a king and he rules over a kingdom. And we'll show it to you in the scripture as we go forward. But not understanding that would simply make us religious people seeking the approval of a God. Problem with it is, is most of the God we've been shown He showed us who he was all the way through the Old Testament and how powerful and how sovereign and how amazing and just and good he is. But in the Old Testament, we were humans were reduced to simply mere observers. All the way when you read through the Old Testament, the main story of the New Testament is how powerful God is. And there is no God like Him. There is no rival. There is no equal. There is no other living God ever. God is God and God is King. Everything you see in the Old Testament proclaims this. And when it proclaims it, the problem is, in the Old Testament, for the people to have a relationship with God, they had to do it through religion. Because, see, that wasn't the way it was at the beginning. In the beginning, you've got to go back to and understand why God created the heavens and the earth. When we go back to Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was void and without form. And it says, in darkness covered the face of the earth. This is an absolute direct picture of what the world would look like without God in it. And this is what the world looks, our, our world looks like when God is not king in it. If, it. if you're just existing and God is not king in your life, you need to understand something. There's something else ruling and reigning in your life. You say, well, I am my own boss. You can deceive yourself. But there is no one that's their own boss. You are serving a king, whether it be the king or a little king. 
And because God is a king, you have to understand king mentality to understand what the nature of a king is. The nature of a king is to rule and reign over its territory or realm or region. Now, there's a test of the quality of a king, they say, that you can put to determine how good a king is. And the way you test on how good a king is is how well and how happy its subjects are under its reign. And I'm afraid that if you were to try to judge my king by how well and happy some Christians are that call themselves under the kingdom of God, it gives our king a bad name. Because if the quality of a king can be judged by how good and how happy its subjects' lives are, the truth be told, a lot of us are giving our king a bad reputation. And it's not that we don't love God. It's that we don't understand kingdom concepts. When you understand that you're not serving just any God, your God is the king. It changes the way we do it. So, understand the mentality of a king. You understand why he created the heavens and earth. Anything that doesn't have God in it is going to end up just like the earth did. Dark, void. Toku and Boku are the names there. Chaos and disorder is what those words actually come out of the Hebrew. How many of you guys remember before you lived for the Lord, I gave your heart to the Lord, you had chaos and disorder in just about everything that there was in your life? But the awesome thing about it says, and it says, in the Spirit of God, was hovering over the deep. I love it that even places that haven't allowed God to be king, God still will show up. Aren't you so thankful for that? Man, the, the, the dark earth was void and without form, and darkness covered the face of the earth, but God was still there. Man, I tell you what, there's a time that, man, my life was just like that, so full of chaos and disorder, but God was still there. And this is what the Bible says. And that's why, like with you and me, you can see how it works. It says, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. It says, and then God said, let there be light. And boom, that's all the Spirit of God was waiting on. Was a word from the King for Him to fulfill and act out the will of God. That's what takes place there. When God said, the Holy Spirit says, now I can do something. You'll never find God doing anything where there's an absence from the Word. Somebody wants to try to be a strong believer, a strong Christian, be you know a good Christian and try to do it without putting the Word in, you're failing. You're failing because, see, it's the Word of the King that establishes law and order. The way a kingdom works is whatever a king says becomes law. And every element of that kingdom at that point is to... Follow or carry out that law that the king said. That's the understanding of a kingdom. Our president says something, our past presidents tweet something, and we might hope it's going to happen. It's not the way it works with the king. The king's word is law. And you've got to understand that we're not serving a God. We are serving a king. And God and Jesus is king. So we see there in Genesis, God's plan. All right, so there was darkness and chaos on the earth. The Spirit of God was there, and then God's Word was interjected into the situation. And the Bible says when God's Word was interjected into the situation, the Spirit of God went to work. 
causing everything that God said to end up being good. I tell you, there's sometimes you read in your Bible and you read something God said, you say, ooh, that can't be good. Well, give the Holy Spirit a little bit of time. A little bit of time. See, time is a main component in Genesis 1-1. Or Genesis 1. It says, and God said, let there be light. And then it says this. Then there was evening and morning of the first day. Now, that's backwards. That's not how we do it. We do morning and evening, correct? And that's our day. See, he said there was evening and morning. Look it up. It's crazy how the Bible's written in some places. Because why? When God goes to work, it's usually at your darkest. But when God's done, it's going to be at your brightest. That's why he says evening and morning. Because when before God's at work, it's dark. But once God's done, it's going to be light. Amen? So it said evening and morning. And this is why it says, then he created Adam and he, he created this whole earth. Put all the animals on it. All the life on it. And then he looked back and he said this. He said, now that we've created this place, we've got to put a governor here. Now, let me understand, because this is king mentality. If you don't get this, none of the rest of the Bible makes sense. Because the entire Bible is written in king mentality. And if you don't get king mentality, you'll read something and think it's Christian mentality, and you'll find yourself living a Christian life, but not reaping the benefits of a kingdom life. And so he looked at it and he said, you know, i got to put it... Because the nature of a king is this. A kingdom, and the very definition of it is it's a region or realm that is governed and run by the rule and authority of a king and is expanding its kingdom. Kingdoms are kingdoms and they always, a heart of the passion of a kingdom is always expanding. It never, a king, when a king, just like Rome, Rome had established and developed an amazing life. Rome became a world power. And the minute they got that strong, they realized, all right, now it's our job to consume and take over the world. So they began to conquer and take over the world because kingdom mentality is never stay where we are. Kingdom mentality is what we have is good and we're going to influence the world with it. This is kingdom mentality. Look back through every great kingdom in the world today and you'll find kings always expanding their reach, their territory, and their power. It is a kingdom concept and a kingdom mentality that a lot of believers have moved into Christianity and not understanding. They think this whole purpose is about making your life better when the whole purpose is expanding the kingdom. So you're more concerned about what God can do for you versus what God, the kingdom of God, conquering and taking over the co-worker that you worked with life and transforming his family into what God said it can be. The kingdom of God is always advancing and the kingdom of God is always conquering and taking over. But every kingdom is that way. Every kingdom is that way because it's a kingdom concept. All right, so we have a king. So why did he create the earth? Was he bored? No, he was advancing the kingdom. His kingdom up to that point, God's kingdom, God was here before the beginning. He is the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And he had, he had spent and taken over everything. So kingdom's mentality is advance and make kingdom. So he created the earth to advance the kingdom of God. He created it perfect and good. 
And then he does what every king does. When a king conquers and takes over a new territory, kings put representatives, ambassadors, or governors into that realm to rule that area and represent the king. All the way through history, all the kingdom mentality is this. So when God created the earth, then he said, let us make what? Man in what? Our image. We're going to put a representative, someone that represents God to this new area, someone that will rule in authority and reign in authority. I gave Adam dominion over and life was good. You got to get this concept. So that's why God created, advanced the kingdom. But then the governor he put in place messed it all up. Y'all want to see a scripture that tells us that? All right, let's go to um, uh, Romans 5, verse 17 and 18. You need to see where we're picking up in this story. And I am going to go somewhere in just a minute. I'm trying to, I tell you, with what I've studied, it's like so much. I'm like, how can I, was, I was just telling Brother Ben, I've been studying for three months and still didn't have a clue what it was I was trying to, I was looking at. And then I began to ask God, open the eyes of my understanding. And the Holy Spirit began to show me how my life can change by aligning with kingdom understanding. That's what it says. It says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned. All right, let's stop. So why did God create the earth? So that he could advance the kingdom. He put an ambassador, governor, uh, a, a ruler in this earth, which was Adam, to represent him in this kingdom area. But then the Bible says that Adam gave that position, authority, and dominion up. So who got it? Here it says this. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one. All right? Word reigned is what? A king reigned. Not a horse reigned. Not a rain reigned. Weather reigned. This is a king reign. All right? It says, now death by one man's action, that one man being Adam, being God's representative, God's ambassador, God's king he put on this earth messed up and it gave the authority, the rulership and the dominion over to, the Bible says here, death. And so from that point on through the Old Testament, when we see God, we have to see him as an observer because God's no longer the authority on this earth. Adam, what God gave Adam, Adam gave away to death. That's why there are things in the world like you see it. When you turn the news on, there are starvation, there's famine, there's murder, there's crime, there's abuse, there's all these things. Why? It's not a lot of people, have, we served a loving God, why did He let all this? Because He's not in control here anymore. We gave the advancement of the kingdom of God over to the advancement of the kingdom of darkness. God came in and took it from Him, gave it to Adam, Adam took it and gave it back. And so all of our lives, we have lived in a kingdom and that was under the rule of darkness. That's why you've had family members die. That's why you've had, you know, marriages fall apart and divorce. That's why you've had kids go through what they go. That's why sickness. Not because God is in control. It's because one man's offense gave death the right and the rule through the one. But the good news is this. That was the first Adam. How many of you guys have ever heard Jesus called the second Adam? Alright. Actually, that translation is not second Adam. It's the final Adam. 
He's the last Adam. Because what happened was when Jesus showed up on the scene, he changed the story. What Adam was supposed to and had the ability to, to walk out, he messed up. Things went haywire. We had to worship God from a distance, see God from an observer. Jesus shows up on the scene as the last Adam and took back the dominion from the devil. And the mouth of the Bible says, gave it to us. In other words, put things back the way they should be. All right? The problem with it is, most of us still live in the concept of living in an area that is reigned by death. So now that we're kings and priests, Revelation 1 6 says that. That's what, when you were saved, that's what God made you. Revelation 1 6 says, you were made kings and priests. All right? That's what the purpose of your life is. Your purpose is to reign as kings and priests. All right, but read on down this. It says, much more, those who received abundance of grace, those are those of us that are saved, when we are saved by grace, when we accept Jesus coming, it says, and of the gift of righteousness, we'll talk about very important righteousness, we'll go back there in a minute, will reign, king reign, rule over, be the boss of, control, carry out, govern, whatever you say there on the book of Rain, in life through the one Jesus. The day of broke Christians needs to quit being preached. The day of sick Christians need to quit being preached. The day of sinners at the hands of an angry God needs to quit being preached. Because let me show you in the Bible what happened. In the Old Testament, God revealed Himself as God and King over everything. And then in the New Testament, He sent His Son to earth as a man. He was fully God, but fully man. And this is what He said. In, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus steps up on the world stage, and we hear the first thing He says, and He preaches in this first thing that He says, the whole reason why He came. Alright, and this is what He says. He says, repent. And then he says, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Meaning, this is another way to say that. Alright? The word repent, I told the early service, we have two, and there's multiple definitions for the word repent in the New Testament. And a lot of people that get this wrong miss out on what God has for them because the word repent, there's one scripture that says, and Judas repented until it was grieved and sorrowful, and repented unto himself. And a lot of people want to take that scripture and say that Judas is in heaven. I want to tell you this. There's another scripture in the Bible that Jesus says it's better that he would have never been born than to end up where he ended up. So that don't sound like heaven to me. All right? But that word repentance, so then we need to look at it. In the original, that's not the same word repent Jesus used, Paul used, or Peter used. Or John the Baptist used. They all used the word repent in their first sermons when they showed up. But the word repent there means different than Judas's. Judas's means remorseful, regret, feel sorrowful for. Most believers think when they are remorseful, they have a regret, or they feel sorry for a sin they committed, that's repenting. And that's not. That's being caught and being guilty. All right? Repentance, the Bible says, is an action and a turning. So in the picture of repentance, when Jesus said repent, means turn to another direction. In other words, start living another way. 
But then it really means this too. It says, and think differently about it. So as believers, if we want to live the life that God wants to, we have to start thinking about sin the way God thinks about sin. That means this. God don't think it's okay. God don't think you should have it in your life. God don't think that little white lies are different than big black ones. Alright? God sees sin the same and He sees it as life destruction for you. So He hates it. It's what the Bible says. Because it will destroy your life. And it will take from you the destiny that God's put on you. You were called to rule and reign. Now you say, well, what's the definition of sin? Well, the Bible gives us a definition. It says that him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. So it matters how you were raised. Because it will determine how you live, whether or not you're right with God. It doesn't say that him that, that doesn't know it's right or not. That, you know, so, there so sin's not the same for everybody. Does that make sense? The, not, once the knowledge of doing good comes into your life, you acting on something that you know you shouldn't, now it's sin. Alright? Sin separates you. But sin stops you from being what? Sin will take you out. How many of you guys follow the royal family often? Alright? How many of you guys watched Andrew this year? Get taken out of royal service. Why? Because of actions that he was doing and people he was running with that were unfitting for a royal member to live that way. And so he was taken out of royal servicehood. He was basically outcast. He was stripped of all royal titles and royal rights. And everything he did for the kingdom up to that point has been taken away. Now he's just a regular old person living in a regular old country, having to pay his regular old bills. That's how we find most Christians living in this world. They are destined to reign. But because of actions, choices, things they choose to do, or people they choose to run with. Jeffrey Epstein, just that relationship tarnished Prince Andrew's reputation. You don't think the people you run around with matter? And then it says that, you know, um, when we choose... a the righteousness, remember what it said? It said that we're to reign, but we're also to live in His righteousness. Righteousness is super important. So let's look at why. Is that okay? Hopefully I'm making sense. Alright, so I want to show you how important kingdom is. If you first go to Matthew 4.17, it says this. Jesus showed up on the scene. He said this. Change the way you think about the way you're living. And understand that the kingdom of heaven is now one translation says, arrived. Meaning that everything in the Old Testament, the way God did it and people worshipped and saw God, now has changed. This moment right here when Jesus said this, changed everything. In theological terminology, it's called dispensations. Dispensation changed. But really what took place was, up to this point, people had to worship God from a distance. He was king. When Jesus came fully God as a man, he demonstrated for three years, really 33 years, how a full man could live in a fallen world but be right standing with God what his world would look like. When we see Jesus, we don't see the Son of God walking in the Gospels. What we see is because he came fully man. He gave up deity. He was fully God. 
But he gave up deity and came into fully man because he wanted to show us not how God could put on a skin suit. He wanted to show us how a man that has right standing with God can change the world. And this is the truth. That has not changed for you or me. God's plan is still that. That God wants your life to be right standing with Him. And when you get a life right standing with Him, when you live in a fallen world, you're the difference that God can take and change everything with. Am I making sense here? This is key. That's why Jesus said, repent. Because up to this point, no one could live in kingdom living since Adam. But now that I'm here, everything changes. It's available to you now. Now, let's speed up real fast. Go through some of these. Why it's so important. Go to um, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And somehow we've gotten so far from the gospel that most churches preach what they call the gospel. But the truth is they're not preaching what Jesus preached. As a matter of fact, most of my life I preached. I look back at my life and the kingdom concept I didn't have because I'm an Americanized Christian. And I thought that was good enough. I'm here to tell you. God wants to be more in your life than just a Savior. Americanized Christianity may get you to heaven, but it won't change your situation on earth. So this is what it said. He said, and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues. What was their synagogues? That's where religious people gathered and did religious work. He stepped in and said, all right, remember, he said, I'm going to teach you something that's going to change your mind, your way of thinking, because the kingdom's here. And he says this, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So what did Jesus preach? He preached the gospel of the kingdom. What's amazing is most people that Jesus came in contact with did not have kingdom thinking. As a matter of fact, the ones that he did come in contact with blew Jesus away. When Jesus ran into the centurion soldier who was serving under Rome rule, so he was under kingdom thinking and mentality, when he saw Jesus, he ran up to him and said, Hey, I've got a servant sick. Could you just say a word and he'd be healed? And Jesus was like, I'll go. He said, no, no, just say a word. Just like you, I'm under authority. It says, so you say a word. And Jesus stepped back and said, I have not seen nowhere in Israel. Saying, out of all the religious people I've hung out with and talked to and been with and done miracles for, I've not met anybody with, the, with as great a faith as you. Why? What was different? He understood kingdom. When you understand kingdom, it changes what God can do in your life. For this reason, the amount of kingdom understanding you have in your life is the amount of revelation that God can bring through it. That's why a lot of us think the gospel is just Calvary. Jesus died for your sins and raised it from it because that's all the kingdom we've ever gotten. Because we've not moved into kingdom thinking. So we're still broke. We're still sick. We're still messed up. We're still cantankerous. We're still me. We're still me. All these things because we've not gotten any farther than salvation. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is a king. Salvation's what he used to get you into the kingdom. Now that you're into the kingdom, God's calling you to live and reign. It's called reign. What does rain look like? In the middle of a storm, Jesus stepped up on a boat and said, Peace be still. And religious guys sit back and said, What manner of man is this? That's a kingdom man. All right? 
What does kingdom look like when you show up and you see a blind man? And they say, whose fault is this? This is his mother, this is his father. Somebody's fault because why? Sin has a price tag to it. And if he's, got, if he's paying a price, somebody's sin. And Jesus stepped up and said, not in the kingdom. He said, why is he blind? So that the kingdom has territory to overtake. It says, so that my father may be glorified. And he healed him. And when he healed that man's life, that was territory that the kingdom of God advanced and took. Does that make sense? That's why when he was talking to John the Baptist, and we'll close with this, all right? And I know I'm not where we need to be. But when he talked to John, look at this scripture. All right, so Matthew 10, 7. This is what Jesus told us to do. He said when he told his disciples, he told his disciples to go and preach the gospel. Is that what he said? No. He said, go saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus told us that that's what we're supposed to be preaching because it is not Jesus' desire that you live going to heaven, but live just like the world. There's a difference in what God has called our life to be. And when Jesus came, He provided a way for you and me now to live in this life and not just survive. Another word for it is thrive. And that's to move into kingdom living. There's uh, another scripture we've got to go to. Matthew 6.33. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus said this. Make priority. That's what He's saying when He says, Seek ye first. The kingdom of God. So what is it? All right, we've been talking about kingdom of heaven. Now he introduces this new thing, kingdom of God. A lot of people think they're the same thing. They're not. The Bible is very clear on kingdom of God versus kingdom of heaven. Um, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. He actually gives us a definition to it in the book of Romans. It says this, that the kingdom of God is not eat and meat. He says, but it is... Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. That's a, that's a, um, a test for us to tell whether or not the kingdom of God is at work. Remember, he's the author and finisher. All right? So when the kingdom of God comes into one's life, when you accept, repent, accept what Jesus did, the kingdom of God comes into you. The Bible one. The scripture says the kingdom of God is on the inside of us. Another one says the kingdom of God is invisible. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is what God, the work that's God doing on the inside of us. All right. So what is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven should be the result on the outside of us. The work that God did on the inside of us. Does that make sense? Our whole life should be walking and talking in kingdom living. On the inside of you should be kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy. And on the outside of you should be things that represent that the kingdom is at work. Does that make sense? So, circumstances, you guys are in kingdom thinking, God's not fixing your circumstance. God's fixing the circumstance by putting you in it. Stop and think about it for a minute. You've got to get this. Kingdom thinking is not God fixing your circumstance. That's why when, in Matthew chapter 11, John wrote this. He said, you know, it said that John the Baptist was in prison and he sent his disciples to Jesus to say, are you really the one? And Jesus said, go back and tell them blind eyes are open. In other words, this work that I have on the inside of me 
is being revealed to the outside of me. What do you mean I'm not the one? Then he said this, Blessed is he who is not offended by this. What is he saying? John had a total me focus. Do you not see him sitting in jail, Jesus? Where are you at? Man, what are you doing? You're out there preaching and teaching kingdom, but you're letting me sit here in jail? That don't sound like gospel. Well, that's gospel of the kingdom. Because the gospel of the kingdom is this. That everywhere God puts you is to advance the kingdom. It ain't for your advancement. But see, American church says, God, I need you to do this for me. I need you to do that. And when he don't, we get disappointed saying God's not God. When the truth of the matter is, we're not understanding kingdom. Because kingdom's way bigger than you. And as a matter of fact, the reason why you find yourself in the middle of these bad situations and circumstances is because any time the kingdom is going to advance territory, they send in a representative. And the reason why things go bad in our lives is not because God's mad at us, God's upset, it's because there's a, we live in a fallen world. And God has sent Jesus to change that. And now that Jesus is sitting by the right hand of the Father, He sent the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to step into circumstances and change them for the kingdom of God. That's why He says, if there be any sick among you, bring them and let God and the power of God fall on them. It doesn't say that. It says, bring them to the church and let them lay hands. Your hands are supposed to be the king's hands. Your feet are supposed to be the king's feet. Your mouth, that's why we're called the body of Christ. And in kingdom thinking, you need to understand, you have the same authority, the same power, and the same rights as the king. When Jesus said, I have all authority, then he said, I have given it to you. You have the same authority that Jesus had. Why? Because you are a king and a priest. Kings, priests, what their job is to do is to serve the Lord. Kings are to represent the king. And so anytime you find yourself in a tough situation, it's not that God let you down. You're the answer from the kingdom of God to the kingdom of darkness. And God sent you into this thing to make the difference. Problem is, most believers don't know how to do that. Most believers walk into situations, circumstances, and they need God to get them out when God sent them in to change the whole thing. That's why Jesus never asked God to get him out of anything. He did question why you forsake me in this, but it's let you know. That's the full man felt like he was alone, but he still didn't quit acting like a king. A lot of us think when God's not with us, what gives us the right to act how we want to? No, you still act like a king, even if you're a king, because you're representing the king. Jesus is the king of kings. Revelation says you're a king, and he's our king. Well, him being king of kings, that means he bestows on you. All the authority, all the power, all the rule that he has, he's put you here to rule it, advance the kingdom. So in these concepts, it's super important. Because every promise in the Bible, every... Well, let me read this scripture to you and you understand that I'm closing. This is it. This scripture is super important for us to get. Because over the next five services, I'm going to be... There's a thing called kingdom principles. How many of you guys have ever heard of these things? All right. Another way to say it, though, is not principles. Another way to say it is keys. That's how Jesus said it. All right, in the book of Matthew, y'all may have to help me out there. I've got my notes out of order. In the book of Matthew, this is what Jesus says. Here it is. Matthew chapter 16, verse 14. It says this, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. All right? Now, that's not keys of the kingdom of God. You can get saved and God begin to do this work on you and you still live hell on earth. 
I know a lot of Christians, a lot of, I've said at a lot of hospitals, that believers just could not get the understanding that God has healed them. So, did they go on and make it to heaven? Yeah. Did they die here earlier from death and disease? I believe so. Because no one wills no one. God says not any, it's not God's will that any should perish. But the thing about it is, if you don't live like a king, you can spend your life here on earth as a prisoner. Think about it. See, the king has concepts. And we're going to talk about concepts over the next week. But more importantly, the king has principles. What principles are, they're mentioned here in Matthew 6. It says this, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Meaning that God has given us things that can change the way you live. Change your circumstances. Jesus told us when we're to pray, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. So when we pray God's will, and heard when I pray, God, if it's your will to heal me, no, we know what his will is. We're to pray for the will, all right? Which is healing, which is peace, which is joy. We're to pray for these, but if we don't, doesn't mean you're going to get them. I'm going to be honest with you. You know how many unhappy Christians I know? And when I find an unhappy Christian, I'm just going to be blunt. I know I find somebody that don't pray. Okay. Or doesn't pray the way God tells them to pray. And James it says you can pray amiss. And so if you're not praying kingdom prayers, is there a chance that could be why your prayers weren't answered? And James says their prayers weren't answered because they're praying amiss. All right? But this is what it says. It says, so the keys to the kingdom, God's going to give me something that will bind on earth... And bind in heaven. That means these keys have authority, power over the devil, over angels, over all of that. Why? Because I am a representative of the king. I'm an ambassador. God put me here and gave me the authority, the same as a king. My word, when I speak his word, becomes law. The word key, Lord. And so, this was it. So, how do we do this? Well, first, you've got to understand what a key does. A key, he said, these are the keys of the kingdom. First, a key represents access. There's some of us as believers that haven't stepped into, walked into, or got accessed into our lives. A lot of the promises we see in the Word and promises we actually see in other people's lives, not because God doesn't want you to have it, but it's you've not put the key in the door and opened it. I'm going to be honest with you. You can sit outside my house all day long and knock, but if you had a key, you could come in anytime you wanted to. And Jesus said, when it comes to kingdom, there are keys involved. And what keys do is they give you access. I mean, there's some Christians that have gotten so good at being broke that they make money with coupons. I'm just being honest. That's pretty good at being broke. thing about it is, you don't have to be broke. And then that knowledge can be used to help others. Does that make sense? There's some Christians that are so good at being sick that we can tell everybody else we know sick what doctors to go see to get the best help. I'm just being honest. There, there's so many Christians not living the kingdom life. Why? Because we have conformed to the patterns of this world. But be you transformed, the Bible says, to the renewing of your mind. That which is the good, the perfect, and the acceptable will of the Lord. So us understanding that God has given us Keys, another word, that key is weird. All right, principles. 
that we can live or do or follow, and they will open doors to first to give access to. Second thing a key represents authority. Whoever has a key to the to a building is usually the boss. Wouldn't you agree? You're either the boss or you're the janitor, one or the other. All right. But see, a lot of if you have a key to my house, that means you have authority to go in it and do what you want there. Does that make sense? There's a lot of believers don't have any authority in this earth because they don't understand that there's keys involved. And so they just keep wanting God to do all this for them. And it says, I have given you the keys. The Bible says that man gave it to death. And for thousands of years, we've been living under death's reign. But then the Bible says Jesus came back and took back the keys from death, hell, and the grave. He took back the keys that Adam gave death, hell, and the grave. And now Jesus is saying, I'm giving them to you. And they will affect the natural and the supernatural. Do you see this? These are important. And it, it gives access and authority. If I have a key to your car, did you know you can't get me arrested for stealing it? That's the law. If I give somebody my keys, they can go crank my car and drive away with it and not come back. And I can't call it stolen because I gave them the keys. Does that make sense? So, truth of the matter is, there's a lot of you not going where God wants you to go because you don't understand there's a key it takes to get you there. Alright? So it says gives you authority. Next thing is, the keys represent control. There's a lot of believers that think they're not in control of their life. That they are just tossed to and fro by the enemy and the attacks and they're just subject to whatever takes place. No, keys of the kingdom gives you control. Like, for example, the store owner that has the keys to a bin gets to choose when something opens or when it closes. Am I making sense? If your life is out of control, you're not using keys that God gave us. All right? There's keys available for you to get in control of this thing. All right? Next thing is that the keys represent power. Power. Whoever has the key gets to make the rules. All right? Next thing, the key represents freedom. There's a lot of believers living in addiction, living in depression, living in a prison. You're in a prison. But do you know how you get out of prison? All it takes is a key. You find a prisoner in a jail cell, no matter how many times I lock it to keep him in, if he has the key, he gets out whenever he wants. See, there's a lot of us that are bound into things and we're not living free because we don't understand the keys to the kingdom. We're keeping wanting God to do all this, but He's already said, I've given you the keys. So you've got to understand that they have, they have principles or keys that are available to you. Now I'm going to shift that word from keys to principles because you understand the mindset. These principles unlock the kingdom in your life. There are 23 of them. One of the principles, and I'm going to bring this one up, we'll teach on it in two weeks from now, but the principle of increase. All right? The gospel is not prosperity. There's a lot of people that believe in the prosperity gospel. The gospel is not prosperity. But inside the gospel of the kingdom is the key of increase. And when you know how to use the key of increase in kingdom living, your money won't make sense with your making. Why? Because in a kingdom, the concept is this. Everything in a kingdom belongs to the king. The people, the land, the livestock, everything belongs to the king. In the concept of kingdom, the king is in full responsibility. That means this. 
It's the king's job. When you bring a problem to a king, he don't start looking for someone to fix it for him. He knows that at his resource, at his availability are all the resources and all the authority to take care of whatever is going on. That's why they brought it to him. The buck stops with the king. Does this make sense? And so, when the buck stops with the king, if God is your king, you need to understand he's in control. And the buck stops with him. He's responsible. Just like Moses, when he prayed, to God said, I'm going to strike the people down. And Moses brought it back to God. Don't do that. Remember, they're your people. And God didn't even love his own people enough to save them. He was still going to strike them down. But then Moses said, and think of your enemies that would see what you did to your people. And the Bible says the king drew back. Why? Because... The way the world thinks about how God handles his stuff matters. And so when David cries, God, don't you care that I'm going down? My enemies are going to rejoice and think that you're a fake. God never let David go down. David actually said that I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Why? Because God's a king. And in kingdom concept, king is all authority and all responsible. And king is the problem solver. When no one else can fix it, you bring it to the king. He will take it on because he has unlimited resources and unlimited authority. Does this make sense? All right, so it's super important. So in this next season, we're going to lay out the principle. There's the principle of increase. If you're sick of being broke, you need to learn how to use this key. All right, there's the principle of unity. If you're having marriage problems, there's the principle of unforgiveness. Man, it's amazing how unforgiveness can cause you to live a life that kings are never called to live. All right, over these next week, but this is what I want to leave you today with. And I'm, I'm done. I'm already late. I'm done. Why don't they make Sundays longer? All right? <laughs> this is the principle you need to get out today. Man, Jesus never preached Christianity or church or anything. He preached kingdom. The reason why that was the most important message is because that's what He's created you to be. You are a king. And kings are created to rule and reign. And Jesus gave us principles, keys that teach us how to rule and reign in this life. But just like keys in my pocket right here, if you don't know what truck they go to, they're not going to take you anywhere. Even if you do know what truck they go to and you don't go use them, they're not going to take you anywhere. These are access to go anywhere you want to go when it comes to kingdom living. When God, when you rule as a king, God gets nothing but pleasure out of it. That's why God lifted Solomon. The Bible says God raises up one. When God lifted Solomon up, this is why. Because he got kingdom concept. The Bible says that God asked for a sacrifice and he didn't just do one. He was a priest, so he, he sacrificed a thousand oxen to the Lord. And God was so taken back at the passion that he was serving God in that he said, all right, now I'm going to give you whatever you want. And he said, God, give me wisdom. Not, he just didn't want it for himself. That's where Christians get it wrong, especially American Christians. So give me wisdom so that I can rule your people. It's all about God's kingdom. When you shift your mentality into God, I need you to fix this for me. To God, we need to shift this so that people can see how good you are. Everything changes. Because it ain't for your pleasure. You're here for the king's pleasure. And when we walk into kingdom living, 
everything we do and everywhere we go, you say, well, cricket, it don't matter. We live under grace. It don't matter. Let me tell you, right? Remember, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Then it says, and his righteousness. You know what that says? Break it down. It says this. Seek first. In other words, look for and try to find out God's way of doing things. That's what it says. So anywhere I try to find, or anywhere I find God's way to handle something, it releases kingdom in my life. Look here. Then it says this, and his righteousness. The level of God's righteousness lived out in your behavior will determine the level of reigning you have in this life. You got to get this. Hear this real good. The level that you walk out God's righteousness in your behavior will determine the level of kingdom life that you walk into into this life. Meaning this. You're not going to live like a king with dirty hands. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. You're not going to have the power of God flowing through your life in open sin. The Bible says for sin there's sacrifice, for willful sin there's not. So why is it important that I live righteous? Because the more righteous I live, the more kingdom I experience. That's why he said, seek ye first God's way of doing it. Because you can know God's way of doing it and never live it. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things, and his right means walk it out. His righteousness means you're living God's way of doing things. When you live out God's way of doing things, everything in your life begins to shift and go kingdom. I'm telling you, you can put me to the test on this. I'm so convinced of it. My life will never go back to being anything but what it is. I'm telling you, I could sit up here and just brag on my kids and the life that they're living. And I know some people are saying, you know what? Um, they're not teenagers yet. Well, I got to put you one turn 14 this week. And what I see God doing and positioning them in leader places in my life, I'm like, wow, God, how effective they're going to get to be for you, even at their age. You, I'm telling you, you make kingdom lifestyle things. So this is what you got to know first. Number one, you got to know that God's a king. And you got to decide whether or not he's yours or not. Because he can be king and not be your king. You can tell who's king by whose word is law. Do your feelings determine how you treat people? Does your boss get to... You know, when God is king, then what he said is law. It determines the way you feel, talk, walk, all of that. So number one, you got to determine God's king. Number two... You got to find out who you are, and we didn't get through it this way. We may have to do identity next week because the thing about it is this: if you don't understand that you're a king too, you'll never act like a king. If you don't understand that God created you to rule and reign, and that you are the very best representative He could have put here, and that the whole purpose of your life is to represent God and Jesus in your world. Then you'll miss out and you say, well, God, you messed up. You could have picked somebody better. Nope, couldn't have picked nobody better than you. But see, there's a war at work with kingdoms. And just like the God's kingdom is trying to advance, the whole purpose of creation was God's kingdom advancing. The whole purpose of your salvation was God's kingdom advancing. Just like God's kingdom, the devil's kingdom is advancing. The devil's pulling people left and right out of the kingdom of God, left and right. I mean, it's, we live in a day that's crazy. We're seeing more young people come online and what they call deconstruct. Have you heard that? Where they deconstruct. We're having Christian singers and we're having Christian preachers and all kinds of stuff step up on media say now and deconstruct. What they're doing now is telling how they were wrong about it all along. And they're deconstructing 
what God had built into their life and they're trying to and they're going the other way I tell you it's a dangerous time the devil's trying to take kingdom back from God and I'm here to tell you this you need to understand kings are born so when you were born again you became a king so you want me to tell you what the destiny of your children are if they were born to you then they're kings too and the devil does not have a right to take them you need to settle that now does not have a right to take your kids he doesn't have a right to take mine but I have to use the keys in the kingdom that he's given me to access for authority to step into and to live and go where God's called me to go so that's what we're going to go over next week but this is what it is the kingdom of darkness has stopped so many people believers from stepping into the kingdom of God and living the kingdom of heaven because he can keep them living in their past this is what I've learned about the kingdom of God and there's a whole process so this is how we're going to close the number one enemy the devil uses against kingdom minded Christians is regret remorse bitterness and guilt and shame the devil comes to you and tries to bring all of these things out. These are the weapons he uses to keep you from stepping into kingdom because of this. If he can keep you in your past, you will never step into your future. you got to understand kingdom concept on this. That's why the entire message of kingdom gospel is this. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. This is kingdom mentality. We think God just forgave us for it. We think God just is a good and nice guy that he just, you know what I'm saying, pushed it to the back and when we confess it, it's over. It's not what the Bible says sin does. In kingdom, this is what sin does. Sin, from the moment you step out of one kingdom into the next, the history is over. You got to get this. History is over. Because what happens is this. The devil constantly sends shame and regret and bitterness and unforgiveness into our lives. Because if he can get you to stay in it, you never will live kingdom. Because the past and the future can never collide when it comes to kids. That's why the Bible says no man can serve two kings. He either will hate one and love the other. And that's what happens. Is So when the first step as a kingdom person you've got to come to is there's no mistake greater than the power of your king to erase. In days of old, the kings kept books called books of remembrance. You can see it in the story of Esther. You can see it in the book of Revelations where God mentions the book of remembrance. And what it was, was it was a record-keeping book that kings would have people in his court keep current events up. And they were stored in the king's library. And no one had authority to go into the king's library, much less change anything in the books of remembrance because only the king had access and the scary part about that is kings access that room a lot when you're reading the story of Esther this is what the Bible says it says that the king got up real late one night couldn't sleep went into the library opened up the book of remembrance and read about a guy named Haman that had saved his life and it says he remembered that he forgot to bless him so he ended up blessing him a lot of us, the enemies, convinced us of the devil loves to go back and read your book about all the stuff that you did. And all of them, that's why you got what you got. But that's not what the Bible says. This, that every page in your book that you screwed up on or sinned or messed up, when you stepped into the kingdom of God, 
He went in there with the paintbrush covered in blood and he whited out every mistake that you ever made. So look at me. To allow yourself to look at sin through, I mean, you look at your future through the eyes of your sin is by is allowing you to step out of kingdom of light, move back into kingdom of darkness and stay and become what you've always been. So when the enemy comes with you with the weapon of regret, unforgiveness, bitterness, remorse, you step up and you say, you know what? That was the old me. But it can't go past the bloodline. And I'm a new creature. And you think my past was bad. You have no idea what my future has. Because you ain't never seen what God can do with a king. Because the Bible says I now rule and reign as a king. When we look through, look at when we look through our future through the eyes of our mistakes, you're calling God a liar. You need to understand this. So important. You're calling your king a liar. Because for you to take back something that God has already taken from you is theft and is accusation and you'll be headed in a king's court from stealing from a king. So anytime you're tempted to step back into what you used to be and think about things the way you are, you need to remember that's not who you are. And if you choose to go there, you're choosing to live in another kingdom. And that kingdom ain't going to do nothing but hurt, harm, bother, and offend you. But you have the right to step into a kingdom. So you got to see who you are. This is homework. Uh, and I tell every young person, this, Zoe, you've been reading it? You've been reading it? <laughs> I know you've been seeing the mouse, but Psalms 139. Let me ask you guys this in here. Can I just get blunt with you? Can I put you on the spot? Is how important you are, girl. The devil is so after this girl's identity. And it's just not this girl. Any teenager this age that's facing this time and age, the devil's trying to tell them what they should be and not what they are. And he's after this girl's identity. Do you realize that's the greatest crisis we're in in America right now is an identity crisis? They're trying to say we're something that we're not. Trying to say this generation is worthless when they're the most important generation. That's why God saved them for the last. He saved the best for the last. But this way, then, so I want to ask you a favor. I want to ask you guys a favor in here. I've made a commitment to this girl to helping her find her identity. Because that's all it takes to change the script. I was going to call it today Flip the Script. That's what we're going to talk about next week is how to flip the script. Because there's been a script wrote over you. That you're a loser, you're a sinner, you're a liar, you're a failure. There's everybody in here has a script rope over them. But that's what a king does, has the power to flip scripts, change it right in the middle. And the enemy's trying to tell this girl that she don't have the right to be happy, she don't have the right to be full of joy, she don't have the right for a great future. That's crazy. It's not just Zoe, it's every kid I know this age. Because if he can change them, remember what it said. It said that the gospel of the kingdom has to be preached to the end. That means this generation in the last days, them understanding kingdom is more important than any of the rest of us. So what I've done is asked her, I said, and I'm going, this is everybody in here's homework. Psalms 139 simply says who you are through the eyes of a king. 
So I had to read it every day for a year. Every day for a year, I had to read Psalms 139 because every time I looked in a mirror, I saw myself through the eyes of me, then the eyes of my mistakes, then the eyes of others. And until I started looking in a mirror and seeing myself through the eyes of the King, I never was able to step up at a level and reign the way I was called to reign at. I wasn't able to be the husband that God's called me to be, that my wife deserves. I wasn't able to be a father that I was supposed to be. I wasn't able to be a businessman. I wasn't able to, because I didn't have kingdom. But then I started seeing how God sees the king, sees me, and he changed it. So I made a deal with this girl. So I'd give her money. Because money's an easy motivator. I mean, you can weigh it out. Like I say, if, if I want to see, money don't isn't a blessing. But God uses money because he's a blesser and it makes things easier sometimes. But it change. But so I said, I, every day you read it, I'll give you money. And it got boring about halfway through and you quit, didn't you? <laughs> huh? You was busy. I, I understand. We get busy living life instead of reigning. Does that make sense? You can get so busy living life and you can miss out on reigning in this life. So I did it. I'll give you money every day you read it. I'm going to ask you for your help. How many of you guys would say this? So every day you read it this week, we'll give you a dollar for every day. Look at me this real quick. You get that? That's pretty good. So by this time next Sunday, if you read it every day, that's six dollars from me. All right? But who in here would join that with me and say, I'll give a dollar too? All right, turn around and look. You fix and be rich. I'll bring my seven. And we're going to ask you next week because, listen, you reigning as the king that God made you is so important. It's worth the rest of God's kingdom, people. Money to advance the kingdom in your life. Girl, you're called to so much. You have no idea what God has in store for you. And you're going to be... You're just going to be... Oh, this way, I can tell you, this is what it says. It says you're going to be full of righteousness. It means you're going to live holy. You're going to be full of peace. That war on the inside of you is going to be on. And it says you're going to be full of joy. I mean, so you get to be happy getting to be you. Not anything else. And then you get the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. So you got to lament. You're going to read it this week? Every day. All right, now there's a condition to reading every day. The Bible says morning and night. So you'll read it in the morning, you'll read it at night. Look at me real quick. All right, so again, sure, if you'll join this with make this commitment with me. Man, I'm counting. I see at least $70 right there. If you'll do it, and Mama's going to keep you accountable, okay? <laughs> Did I embarrass you too much? I can tell you this. You will not be and will not live what's on the inside of you until you can see yourself the way God sees you. Because what happens is if you don't, Remember Jesus said, this is my beloved son. God said, this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. Remember the next chapter, the devil came and said, if you're really the son of God, turn these bread, these stones into bread. The trick the enemy uses to try to get people to move into religious acts, doing things to be who they are, and not being who they are. Therefore, they have the power to do things. Does this make sense? He told Jesus, if you can prove it, if Jesus would have proved it, Jesus would have had to prove it the rest of his life. Jesus knew it so he could walk in a room and change the world. Amen? This is what you need. I know we're like, can I pray for you real quick? 
This is what the Bible says. The Bible says that you were wonderfully and beautifully created. If you don't begin seeing God as king and you don't see yourself for who God made you, you're never going to do what God put you here to do. So it'll come out of reading Psalms 139. Psalms 139. If everybody in here will choose to read that this week, you will come back different next week. You know what kingdom reigning looks like? It's when there's a mountain of debt in your life and you say, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And the Bible says it is. When cancer comes and tries to say it's going to affect your life, say, cancer has no right to be in the kingdom of God. And I am a king and I use the authority that you have. I bind you, Satan, and bind you, cancer, off me and my life. And it has to go, the Bible says. See, a lot of people think if I just resist the devil, he will leave. How many of you guys have heard that scripture? You know, that's not what the scripture says. It says, submit to God. In other words, align yourself under His kingdom. Then resist the devil and he will leave. That's it. I'm telling you. You want temptation to stop? Submit to God and resist the devil. It's a it's, it's kingdom thing. And I know it went long. Guys. We're not going to go long. For Next week we're going to do flip the script. Then every Sunday we're going to take five principles that the Bible says unlocks the doors to the kingdom of heaven in your life. And then we're going to go through each one. And so in the next month, I'm believing, God, that we see things. I mean, i got to be honest with you. It's, it works. I wish I could. I mean, I wish you could see. Seven years ago, I was $80,000 in debt, living as a Christian, hoping God was going to turn it around. Man, I started living, kingdom living. Not even ruling, that's what I'm doing. And this year, I'm telling you, tell somebody, I'm on my way to being a millionaire, and I will be a millionaire before I retire. I don't care if you believe it or not, but I'm called to rule and reign. Why does it matter that I have money? It's because money affects what I can do for the kingdom of God. And I'm going to be something for the kingdom of God. Amen? Hey, I want to pray for you. Father God, I ask you right now, just as you revealed yourself in the Old Testament, I ask you to begin to reveal yourself to us as a king, sovereign, in control, all-powerful, but yet good. Lord, one of the conditions of a king is a heart. I thank you that you have the heart of a king that makes you our father. And God, I thank you that your heart for us is at work constantly in our part. Lord, I thank you that over the next week you're revealing yourself as king. And God, I ask you that you would open the eyes of our understanding to start seeing us as we read Psalms 139 the way you see us. And we start picturing our life being what you said our life can be. And as we align with the kingdom of God at work on the inside, thank you that you're causing the kingdom of heaven to take over the outside of our situations in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Are you guys like this? I'm telling you, it's this thing, I wish, I wish I could change, give you everything I got in one service. That's why I'm preaching to one. <laughs> but it's life changing and it will change your life when we step into kingdom. God bless you.